Section 21 of From the Easy Chair, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. From the Easy Chair, Volume 1, by George William Curtis. Section 21. A Little Dinner with Thackeray. Mr. Lester Wallach, in his reminiscences, speaks of Thackeray, whom he knew in New York, and recalls with admiration his simple and hearty ways. Wallach says that, as he returned from acting at his father's theatre, then at the corner of Broadway and Broom Street, to his lodgings in Houston Street, he used to pass Thackeray's quarters, who was living with the late William D. Robinson in Houston Street, and if he saw a light in the window, he went in, and the gentlemen finished the night together. He says that Thackeray had a boy's enjoyment of the stories that the latecomer told, and although the guest does not say it, the reader easily imagines that had he been in Thackeray's place, he would have shared Thackeray's pleasure in the gaieties of his guest. Thackeray had the tastes of the town, and Charles Marlowe and my awful dad were sure to bring their own welcome. Wallach also alludes to a dinner which Thackeray gave at the Old Delmonico's at the corner of Broadway and Chambers Street at the end of his first visit to this country. He had been most warmly received and he had given universal delight by his lectures upon the English humorists. The charm of these lectures is evident in the reading, but the pleasure of hearing them is quite indescribable. They were delivered in Dr. Chapin's old church, upon the east side of Broadway, just below Prince Street, to an exceedingly intelligent and sympathetic audience, who knew their enjoyment to be the highest kind of literary pleasure. The thorough appreciation of the men whom he described, the sweet and sinewy simplicity of his English, of which he was a twin master with Hawthorne, the constant play of his kindly humor and manly pathos and sympathy, with his rich voice and massive magnetic presence, his melodious and refined inflection in speaking, and his quiet, easy colloquial manner, thrusting thumbs and forefingers in his waistcoat pockets, all these, pleasing to the mind and sense, made him the pleasantest of lecturers, and still enchant the memory of those happy evenings all too swiftly sped. Just before he sailed, upon his return to England, he gave the dinner at Delmonico's of which Wallach speaks, to repay many civilities, and assembled a miscellaneous party of twenty or thirty guests. They were men of various distinction, everybody being somebody, as one of the guests remarked while he glanced around the table. Thackeray was in high spirits, and when the cigars were lighted, he said that there should be no speech-making, but that everybody, according to the old rule of festivity, should sing a song or tell a story. Lester Wallach's father, James Wallach, was one of the guests, and with a kind of shyness which was unexpected, but very agreeable in a veteran actor, he pleaded earnestly that he could not sing and knew no story. But with friendly persistence, which yet was not immoderate, Thackeray declared that no excuse could be allowed, because it would be a manifest injustice to every other modest man at table, and put a summary end to the hilarity.
it was to be a general sacrifice a round table of magnanimity now wallach he continued we all know you to be a truthful man you can of course since you say so neither sing a song nor tell a story but i tell you what you can do and what every soul at this table knows you can do better than any living man you can give us the great scene from the rent day there was a burst of enthusiastic agreement and old wallach smiling and yielding still sitting at the table in his evening dress proceeded in a most effective and touching recitation from one of his most famous parts it was curious to observe from the moment he began how completely independent of all accessories the accomplished actor was and how perfectly he filled the part as if he had been in full action upon the stage it is only this effect that the easy chair recalls but it was not to be forgotten no enjoyment of it was greater and no applause sincerer than those of thackeray who presently sang his little billy with infinite gusto the song and story went round as lester wallach records but the by-play of the dinner which is often the best part of such a banquet was different for each of the guests the easy chair recalls one incident which was a striking illustration of the masterly and phenomenal assurance of a well-known figure in the bohemian circles of new york at that time but whom it must veil under the name of uncle ulysses by the side of the chair sat a poet whom also it must protect by the name of candide for a simpler and sincerer literary man never lived it was in the time as thackeray was fond of saying planco consul which in this instance means in the time of the old putnam's monthly magazine the number for the month had been just published and candide had contributed to it his hesperides a charming poem although the reader will not find that title in his works he and the easy chair were speaking of the magazine when uncle ulysses who had never met candide and knew him only by name dropped into the chair beyond him and at a convenient moment made some pleasant remark to the easy-chair across candide who sat placidly smoking by the by said uncle ulysses presently what a good number of putnam it is this month but my dear easy-chair can you tell me why it is that all our young american poets write nothing but longfellow and water here in this month's putnam there is a very pretty poem called hesperides very pretty but nothing but diluted longfellow this was said to the easy chair most unsuspiciously across the author of the poem and the moment it was uttered the easy chair to prevent any further disaster broke it and said yes it is a delightful poem written by our friend candide who sits beside you pray let me introduce you mr candide this is uncle ulysses candide turned evidently swelling with anger and the easy chair was extremely uncertain of the event when uncle ulysses with exquisite urbanity and a look of surprise and pleasure held out his hand and said mr candide this is a pleasure which i have long anticipated i am very much honoured in making your acquaintance 
and i was just speaking to the easy chair of your delightful poem just published in putnam i congratulate you with all my heart candide astonished but perplexed and yielding to the perfect bonhomie of uncle ulysses half involuntarily put out his hand which our uncle shook warmly and in five minutes his fascinating tongue had charmed candide so completely that the easy chair is confident that the good poet always supposed that in some extraordinary manner he had misunderstood uncle ulysses remark touching the imitative tendency of young american poets so one reminiscence produces an ever-widening ripple of reminiscences those which circle about the recollection of thackeray in this country are very many but generally unrecorded they linger and appear occasionally in allusions like those of lester wallach but whenever they are told they pay homage to the humorist they recall his constant sturdy kindly simplicity and kindliness wallach speaks of a certain boyish or boy-like quality in thackeray it was certainly there he had the utmost sympathy with boys and one of his gay caricatures of himself represents him at a christmas pantomime standing with two boys behind the rest of the audience he towering aloft and seeing everything over other people's heads while his poor little comrades far down around his knees ruefully see nothing but you know that if no other seat could be found the good giant would soon have them upon his shoulders and all would be boyishly happy together they think i am a grinning surgeon with a scalpel said the tender-hearted man but those who have not found and felt the heart are yet to learn to know thackeray end of section twenty one recording by john brandon